Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jacob Warren, head of marketing at Waratech a cybersecurity firm that helps security scale with modern software development. Jacob, it is so great to have you on the show. It's nice to be here. Thank you, Jeremy. So we have a really cool topic to talk to today, one that I think our audience can really relate to, and that's helping your audience become aware of a problem that you know they have, but they don't, they're not even actually aware of it yet. That can be a tricky puzzle to solve. We're going to dive into that in one second. But first, uh, let's learn a little bit about you. If you can give us kind of the brief intro to Jacob Warren, a little bit about who you are, your experience in marketing, and your your role at uh, Waratech. The way I got into marketing was pretty interesting. I was doing a lot of software development, and I thought I wanted to go into that as a career. And just turns out that I don't really enjoy maintaining software. I enjoy building it, but the whole part after that is not really my shtick. What I ended up doing is I went to my software development clients and I said, I want to get into marketing. I don't have any experience. So what I'll do is I will offer my services free to you in exchange for the experience. That started working with small businesses. They introduced me to medium-sized businesses who then introduced me to larger companies. I ended up getting a full-time marketing job at a telecom company down in Texas. And from there, I transitioned into tech. Okay, very, very cool. That's a cool journey. You just decided like, okay... I want to do this now. I want to do marketing. Need experience. Hey, that's hustle. You know, I'll do it. Do it for free or not really for free. You're getting the experience, right? Which is really valuable. And now here you are. Yeah, I uh, I worked previously with our CEO at NS1. And uh, we just really hit it off. When he ended up coming over to Waratech, he said, hey, I uh, want you to come run marketing here. And uh, after seeing what, they had, I said, yeah, yes, please. Wow. That's awesome. Well, that's an awesome payoff for, you know, the, the hard work that you put in. So let's dive right into our topic. As I mentioned before, you know, the traditional kind of challenger sales approach, right, is you identify the customer's pain points and then you present solutions that are going to address their pain points and so on. But what we're, what we're talking about here is a little bit different. And I think this is common to companies like yours that are being really innovative in introducing new kinds of products and categories into the market. And sort of they're, they're advanced to the point where they're solving a problem that exists, but that your target audience is maybe only kind of vaguely aware of the fact that it's either that it's a problem at all or that it's the kind of problem that you can do anything about which is almost the same as not seeing it as a problem at all, really. And that's a particular kind of challenge. So explain to us, what is this kind of pain point or problem that you have discovered that you need to educate your audience on? Just what is the nature of it? The pain point is scaling security with modern software development. And, and the reason why is currently software companies deploy software multiple times a day. Each deployment is an opportunity for a new vulnerability to be introduced or a previously fixed vulnerability to be reintroduced. So while this agile approach is great for engineering teams and companies as a whole, 
It keeps security teams on a never-ending hamster wheel. So just to make sure I understand, and for listeners who who like me are maybe not like super duper tech savvy all the time. So you're talking about whatever software you're using when they say, hey, there's a new version. You need to update the latest thing. And you're just like, okay, because you don't want to fall behind. You're saying every time that happens, there are security vulnerabilities that the average person like me probably isn't aware of and that companies might not even be aware that like you're opening yourself up to some potential trouble there. Is, am I understanding you right? Yeah, exactly. And and companies like LinkedIn, anytime there's a new feature, uh, you know, that that's an example of a deployment. And some companies deploy up to 12 times a day. So it's not only just when I get the notification, like, hey, there's a new version of the Mac OS or whatever. It's stuff happening behind the scenes that I that the consumer is never even aware of. Now, is this a problem that companies have? Have they just not been aware of it at all? Or it's sort of, yeah, they know it's an issue, but what are you going to do about it? That's a great question. So when you tell them this, when you tell the story of having issues with scaling with modern software development, they shake their head. Yes, they understand it's a problem, but they don't think about it until you put it on their radar. And I think that's because if you look at the landscape of other application security vendors, almost every other tool out there adds more work to their backlog. So they aren't aware it's a problem because in their minds, there's no alternative to the problem. Okay. So in other words, in their minds, they're like, yeah, this is kind of a, it would be cool if there was, it was better than this, but this is just reality and we all have to deal with it. And okay. Now on the other side of the equation, you guys saw this and you're like, well, wait, let's, let's make a solution for this that can actually address this problem. Okay, cool. But now, as we said before, the challenge for the marketer is we have to turn this kind of back burner, there's nothing we can do about kind of problem into like, yeah, actually, not only can we address this problem, but we need to address this problem like right now, right? So how do you do that? What have been your most successful strategies so far in bringing this, you know, elevating this problem to where it needs to be? Yeah. So there's a brilliant book by Eugene Schwartz called Breakthrough Advertising. By focusing on a category that hasn't previously been built out, we're really taking away from his playbook of the five stages of awareness, where your audience goes from unaware to problem aware, from problem aware to solution aware, then solution aware to product aware, and then finally, most aware. And so our, our entire approach with that is ungated content, mostly blog posts, some industry reports here and there. But when we came up with security as code as a topic, as a concept, we initially conducted an industry survey to back into the pain points the audience has with current security approaches. And then using that data, we dialed in on four core components of that overarching pain point, And then we created con a content calendar around that. So this has been largely leaning on a content strategy approach with a heavy dose of kind of thought leadership to use a, a kind of cliched phrase, which makes perfect sense, right? So there's a heavy sort of educational component here. You have to literally educate your audience that the nature of the problem and that, hey, there, there are solutions out there. Here's why this all matters. So can you give us a few examples of the kinds of content you've been producing to you know, raise levels of awareness? Our most effective piece so far has been the five business reasons why every CISO should consider security as code. And that is more of a unaware stage piece 
it speaks to the pain point of having to scale with modern software development and the benefits that security as code can introduce. Can you tell us a little bit more about that piece? I think we got the gist of generally what it's about, but like why in particular do you think it was effective? That's a really fantastic question. Uh, it speaks to that never-ending hamster wheel primarily. One aspect of security as code is immutability. And what immutability means is it is this unmovable wall. You cannot overcome that wall. For example, with that hamster wheel, a lot of what is happening, and we have a statistic to back into this, but 82% of security professionals experience security regressions after a deployment. And so what that means is a vulnerability that they have previously fixed surfaces again due to code changes in their code base after the developers, you know, push an update. What security as code can do is, is it can tell your application, hey, I never want to see this ever again. And no matter what code is changed in the code base, whether it's six months down the road, nine months down the road, there's nothing that can supersede the rules that you define in your security as code policy. That was one aspect of it. And if, if I had to guess, that is the most intriguing aspect of it to our audience. Uh, according to heat maps, it's the part of the article where they spend the most amount of time reading. That's my assumption. And your, your audience for this particular piece, who, who exactly is or was the audience for this particular example? This is specifically catered for security leaders. So your directors of cybersecurity, VPs, CISOs, CSOs, we are approaching the education from a jobs to be done perspective. So the jobs to be done for a decision maker is going to be drastically different from a practitioner. And the things that they care about because of those jobs to be done are also going to be different. So obviously you adjusted the tone, the level of, uh, of what you can assume people already know the the degree of technical language and so on. So is is this particular audience a fairly technical audience? They are more focused on business level OKRs at this point in their career, but they're still technical enough to understand how to cast the right strategy for their security teams. Okay. And I mean, I think you would agree that the degree of success of a piece like this depends so much on your knowledge of exactly who the audience is and exactly what they care about in, as you said, in this moment of their careers. And that's kind of a, a way of fine tuning a piece of content, right? Yeah, that, that's a, you hit the nail on the head. That is a very important part in my opinion. And given that this piece was successful, then, then it sounds like you did a, a good job of fine tuning it in, in just the right way. Can you give even, uh, I'm asking you for a lot of examples, but describe sort of part of that fine tuning. Like what's something that you made sure to say, okay, we need to have this bit in the piece because it's going to speak directly to these specific people at this point in their careers. Like what did, what did that look like as you were putting this piece together? Yeah, that, that really involved talking to a lot of CISOs, just really understanding what's important to them, what their CSO asks them about, you know, on a weekly basis what you know the teams that report to them ask them for on a weekly basis really just what stresses them out the most because that that's really the highest leverage opportunity is focusing on the things that have the most impact on us so i i spoke with probably 30 different cso's i grouped the input together based on similarity and that's really what drove the four or five different points in the blog post it's resonating really well, too. I mean, 
you use the input of someone that you're writing the article for. And I think you stand a, a lot better opportunity of getting great engagement with it. Yeah. And, and it makes sense, right? I mean, so in other words, you went out and did essentially original research by talking to these folks and an, enough of them so that you really could get sort of a cross, what's the right word, like a good cross section of what people care about, find the most common threads and then bake that into this piece of content. I mean, that's just a great example of how to create content that's actually going to cut through because it's like so like laser focused and designed based on actual data to really speak to, to really what these people care about. I mean, that's, it kind of seems like given how much content there is out there already in this vast sea, that's what it takes, like that level of dedication and research to actually create content that's going to get the job done. You really have to provide that level of value, in my opinion. If you don't, then you just kind of get lost in the noise of, you know, search engine results, the myriad of blog posts that get shared on social media. It's like you said, it's hard to cut through unless you really focus on that. The focus means spending the time and energy to, in this case, literally talk to enough of the exact people that you want to reach and have like real in-depth conversations with them, which, you know, I'm sure took you a little while. To, to actually do, but it was all worth it, right? It was, yeah. Each each conversation was about 20 minutes. And the payoff is huge, right? When you have that piece of content that actually performs. So good lesson to learn, uh, which kind of leads me to my next question. What's your advice for marketing teams that are in a similar situation, trying to raise awareness of a problem that people aren't only vaguely are aware that they have? Where do you start down that path? So the content that you write to generate leads isn't necessarily the content that you write to create demand for a category that doesn't exist in your audience's mind yet. So you you need to talk about your product a lot less and about the category a lot more. Depending on what stage of awareness you're at, you'll need to get a lot more in the weeds too. So, you know, as we previously hit on, a subject matter expert is absolutely crucial. If you have the budget to bring one on just to, you know, gives your content more credibility, it's also money really well spent. 100%. Great advice. Jacob, thank you so much for a great interview, great insights, learned a lot. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I had fun. I, I hope you did too. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It was a blast talking with you and I look forward to talking to you more in the future. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.